Welcome back to World Changers. Today we're going to be talking about a nurse who was also a spy, who also helped women's suffrage, and was a conductor of a railroad, a pretty special railroad. Her name is Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman's date of birth is unknown. People believed it occurred between 1820 and 1825. She was born one of nine children um, between, uh, like we said, 1808, uh, 1832, somewhere around there, to enslaved parents in Dorchester County, Maryland. Uh, her original name was actually not Harriet Tubman. It was Araminta Ross. Uh, she was nicknamed Minty by her parents. Um, she changed her name to Harriet around the time of her marriage. Um, most people think it was to honor her mother, whose name was Harriet. In her early life, it was tough, really, really tough. Um, so obviously, she's a slave, and uh, there was someone named Mary Broadus, and she had a son, Edward, and... Um, Anyways, they sold three of her sisters to distant plantations and they severed the family. So you're a piece of property when you're a slave and the owners can do with you what they wish. And so they sold some of her sisters and you never see your sisters again. Um, they wanted, they approached uh, you know, the same family and said, hey, we'd like to buy out the youngest son, Moses. The mom, whose name was Harriet, like we mentioned, they actually called her Rit. Uh, she resisted. It doesn't really explain how, but um, she kept their family from further being, you know, fractured. And she set a powerful example for her young daughter. You know, kind of sticking up to the man. Um, physical violence was a daily part of Tubman's life, for her and her family. She actually suffered so much violence, as you'll come to hear, that she had permanent physical injuries. Um, when she was five years old, she was rented out as a nursemaid to take care of babies in the home, in, 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 indoors. And she was whipped whenever the baby cried. So she's only five. She, uh, Harriet later recounted a particular day when she was lashed five times before breakfast. And she carried the scars her entire life. It's crazy to think someone's like whipping a five-year-old girl. But I guess that's what they did, you know? At seven, she was rented out to a planter to set muskrat traps and was later rented out as a field hand. She would later say that she preferred physical plantation work to indoor domestic chores. So I don't know why. I mean, maybe when you're out there, it's harder, but you're with people, you know, and you get to talk with them and have fun, I guess. But um, I'm just assuming that I have no idea. Maybe inside it's like a little bit scarier, but... The most severe injury that happened to her was when she was just a, a young girl. Um, she was sent to a dry goods store for supplies, and she saw a slave who had left the fields without permission and was try, trying to escape. And the man's uh, owner, I guess, overseer, demanded that Tubman help him to, to like restrain the runaway. And she refused. And she kind of helped him, I guess, was like kind of supporting the slave a little bit. There's different stories of it, you know. I, I guess in retrospect, it looks cool that she was helping the slave escape. Some just said that she didn't. She refused to help the slave owner. But regardless, the guy was so mad that he threw a two-pound weight and it struck her in the head. And she said, quote, the weight broke my skull, 
They carried me to the house, all bleeding and fainting. I had no bed, no place to lie down at all. And they laid me on the seat of the loom, and I stayed there all day and the next. Uh, this is uh, what we were kind of referring to as permanent physical injuries that she had, um, obviously, throughout her life. So this head injury caused her to endure seizures, severe headaches, narcoleptic episodes, um, where she would kind of fall into a trance of sleep and she wouldn't be easily arised. And she had these problems uh, for the rest of her life. Uh, as we mentioned, she experienced intense dream states where, and she classified these as religious experiences. So she'd just kind of go into a dream and she kind of saw it as like a vision, I guess. The good thing was that this infirmity made her unattractive to potential slave buyers and renters. So yeah, she wasn't, like a sawed-off slave that was kind of getting passed around. The line between freedom and slavery was kind of hazy for Tubman and her family because Harriet Tubman's father, Ben, was freed from slavery at the age of 45 and it stipulated in the will of the previous owner. So the guy who owned him before died and said, when I die, I want to free you know at least this family. Um, but Ben uh, didn't have a lot of options. He just continued working as a timber estimator um, for his you know, uh, for the new owners and he was nothing he could do. They just refused to acknowledge their contract. And, uh, yeah, so kind of, kind of a tough, uh, tough spot to be in. You know, you're like legally free, but they, they just won't let it happen. Around 1844, um, Harry got married, uh, to a guy named John Tubman and he was a free black man. She changed her last name from Ross to Tubman. So that's where, you know, Araminta Ross, and now she's Harriet Tubman. Uh, it wasn't a very good relationship, and um, anyways, she yeah, it didn't go very well. Uh, a couple years later, Harriet, Ben, and Henry um, escaped their Maryland plantation. So these were, you know, her and her brothers, um, um, Ben and Henry, and they wanted to, yeah, they decided to escape. So pretty scary. They. About halfway, uh, right after they started, the brothers changed their mind and went back. And with the help of the Underground Railroad, Harriet persevered and traveled 90 miles north to Pennsylvania and freedom. So, obviously, the pith of Harriet Tubman's life was the Underground Railroad. And she didn't start it, but she played a huge role in it. So, I kind of wanted to just go over it real quick. It was the Underground Railroad was a network of people, it wasn't a railroad, had no trains, and it wasn't underground, right? It's it's kind of a code word for this secret way to help slaves escape. And it was the, a network of people that were African-American and white. And a lot of people think the first people who started this were actually the Quakers who saw that slavery was evil and they wanted to help people escape from it. And in the, on the, through the Underground Railroad, there would be shelter and aid and um, a lot of different people helping in different ways to make sure that people could escape. And people known as conductors, they would guide the fugitive slaves. And they'd hide in private homes, churches, schoolhouses, and those were called stations, safe houses, or depots. And the people operating them were called station masters. So this was all kind of uh, code for just getting helping slaves to escape. And I think they also did it because if someone heard them talking about it, they really they wouldn't know exactly what they're talking about. So 
Tubman escapes. She found work as a housekeeper in Philadelphia, but she wasn't satisfied living free on her own. She wanted freedom for her loved ones and friends, and so soon she returned to the South to lead her niece and her niece's children to Philadelphia via the Underground Railroad. At one point, she tried to bring her husband John north, but he'd remarried and chose to stay in Maryland with his new wife. So that doesn't seem like a great marriage. He, she left, he didn't want to come, and then he got remarried. Um, so yeah, she just she has happiness and freedom, and the first thing she thinks of is, I need to share this with other people. So in 1850, uh, a bad thing was passed. Um, it was the Fugitive Slave Act, which allowed fugitive and free slaves in the North to be captured and enslaved. So pretty much people were escaping, and once you got to the North, you were free. And then they pass a law that says, okay, once you're in the North, you're not free. You can't just run away. And so this made Harriet's job as an underground railroad conductor much, much harder. And she now had to lead slaves all the way to Canada. She would travel at night, usually in the spring or the fall when the days were shorter. And she'd carry a gun for both her own protection and to encourage her chargers who might be having second thoughts, which is kind of crazy. She, if, if you went with her and you got second thoughts and wanted to run away, she apparently she'd kill you or she'd say she'd kill you. It's just too dangerous. Um, she even drugged babies and young children to prevent uh, the slave catchers from hearing them cry. So over the next 10 years, she's befriended by other abolitionists such as Frederick Douglass, Thomas Garrett, Martha Coffin Wright, and she kind of established her own underground railroad network. It's, it's reported that she emancipated 300 slaves. However, those numbers may have been estimated or exaggerated by her biographer. Um, Harriet herself claimed the numbers were much lower. She did claim, I never ran my train off the track, and I never lost a passenger. Um, when the Civil War broke out in 1861, Harriet found new ways to fight slavery. She was recruited to assist fugitive slaves and worked as a nurse, a cook, a laundress, and she used her knowledge of herbal medicines to help treat sick soldiers and fugitive slaves. So she's just an amazing woman. Very resourceful and getting stuff done and never complacent or, or satisfied. Um... So a couple years later, she became head, hear this, this is crazy, head of an espionage and scout network for the Union Army. So she became essentially a spy. She provided crucial intelligence to Union commanders about Confederate Army supply routes and troops and helped liberate slaves to form black Union regiments. So pretty awesome. And although she was just barely five feet tall, she was a force to be reckoned with. Although it took over three decades for the government to recognize her military contributions and award her financially. So she wasn't getting paid a lot. No one really recognized her until 30 years later, but she was awesome. So after the Civil War, Harriet settled with her family and friends on some land in New York. Um, in 1869, she married a Civil War veteran named Nelson Davis. In 1874, they adopted a, a baby girl named Jerty. I think is how you would pronounce that, Jerty. And she continues to be awesome. She had an open-door policy for anyone in need. She supported her philanthropy efforts by selling her homegrown produce, raising pigs, accepting donations and loans from friends. One crazy thing is that she actually remained illiterate, which means she couldn't read. Um, but yet she toured past or parts of the Northwest speaking on behalf of the women's suffrage movement and worked with noted suffrage leader Susan B. Anthony. 
So she's just amazing. I mean, once the war is over, the slave, slaves are free, she gets some land, and she's not done. She says, anyone can come open door and I'll help you out. And she travels around to different parts of the country and speaks about women's rights. In 1896, Harriet, Harriet purchased land adjacent to her home and she opened the Harriet Tubbett Home for Age and Indigent Colored People. So now she's starting like this rest home for old African Americans. And she's just really, really, really cool. Um, as she aged, the head injuries that we talked about earlier, they started to kind of add up and became more painful and disruptive. She actually underwent brain surgery at Boston's Massachusetts General Hospital to alleviate the pains and the, quote, buzzing she experienced regularly. She was eventually admitted into a rest home named in her honor and surrounded by friends and family. She died of pneumonia March 10th, 1913. And she was buried with military honors at Fort Hill Cemetery in Auburn. So pretty cool. She... Uh, eventually had a World War II Liberty ship named after her, the SS Harriet Tubman. In 2016, the United States Treasury announced that Harriet Tubman's image will replace that of former president and slave over Andrew Jackson on the $20 bill. So it's right now, it's 2019, that hasn't happened, but really exciting that it's it's going to happen. Well, that's the life of Harriet Tubman. Let's kind of move forward and talk about some fun facts. Tubman's code name was Moses, which is pretty cool. She was illiterate, as we mentioned, her entire life. Uh, there's a quote with Moses, come with me if you want to live, when he brought the, the Jews, who were slaves as well, under the Egyptians and led the, freed them from Egyptian rule and towards the Promised Land and you know, part of the Red Sea and stuff. We should do Moses. He'd be a cool one, actually. Uh, there were, as we mentioned, the Underground Railroad itself is a code, and everything inside of it is a code. So, like Canada, the code word for ca- Canada was uh, Canaan, um, which was like uh, part of the Promised Land. I'm pretty sure for the Israelites, the Jews who escaped, and they had spiritual songs for directions along the railroad, and not very many slaves could read. And so they had to make the ro- Underground Railroad the route accessible to everyone. So Tubman would use stars and mosses in the woods to guide her in aiding escapees. So they just had to figure out creative ways. We mentioned that she suffered from narcolepsy um, after being hit in the head. So she would um, have go into these sleeping spells and she'd be difficult to wake. And, but as we mentioned, she kind of saw these as visions. Her work as Moses was serious business. She had to avoid cops, dogs, mobs, bounty hunters, slave catchers. She and her escapees slept in swamps and moved only at night. Once with her on the railroad, she threatened to kill anyone who lost their nerve to escape. She even had, as we mentioned, to drug a baby so it wouldn't cry. And she once told a man, you go on or die. Another nickname of hers was the Black Ghost, and there was a bounty on her head. Um, that got up to at least twelve thousand dollars, which today would be about would be over three hundred thousand dollars if you could catch the black ghost. She never lost a slave, which is pretty cool. Um, and we mentioned during uh, the Civil War that she was a spy, a cook, a nurse, all this stuff. She was only paid two hundred dollars 
for her combat service uh, for three years of combat service so about five thousand dollars adjusted for inflation so pretty much nothing she ended up getting compensated later um 34 years later but i mean she was 78 but still kind of cool she also um as a nurse she would help relieve symptoms of chickenpox and cholera and yellow fever so she was just this amazing woman she even was the uh, first woman to lead a combat assault she led 150 black union troops uh, into battle and um, the troops burned down the estates of influential southern secessionists who supplied confederate forces and she didn't lose a single troop and she freed 750 slaves so she is so cool we talked about that brain surgery she had to fix her sleep problems and she actually refused anesthesia which is insane she opted instead to chew on a bullet just like civil war soldiers did when they had a limp a limb amputated I don't know how that works, how you can chew on a bullet and get brain surgery, but I guess she did it. Um, pretty crazy. Cool. Let's move on and talk about some cool quotes that Harriet Tubman has said. Every great dream begins with a dreamer. Always remember you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars to change the world. Now I've been free. And I know what a dreadful condition slavery is. I've seen hundreds of escaped slaves, but I never saw one who was willing to go back and be a slave. I had crossed the line. I was free, but there was no one to welcome me to the land of freedom. I was a stranger in a strange land. I had reasoned this out in my mind. There was one of two things I had the right to, liberty or death. If I could not have one, I would have the other. I grew up like a neglected weed, ignorant of liberty, having no experience of it. I think slavery is the next thing to hell. If a person would send another into bondage, he would, it appears to me, be bad enough to send him into hell if he could. I looked at my hands to see if I was the same person. There was such, glo there was such a glory over everything. The sun came up like gold through the trees, and I felt like I was in heaven. I would fight for my liberty so long as my strength lasted, and if the time came for me to go, the Lord would take me. In my dreams and visions, it seemed I seemed to see a line, and on the other side of that line were green fields and lovely flowers and beautiful white ladies who stretched out their arms to me over the line, but I couldn't reach them no how. I always fell before I got to the line. Read my letter to the old folks and give my love to them and tell my brothers to always be watching unto prayer and when the good old ship of Zion comes along to be ready to step aboard. I can't die but once. Lord, I'm going to hold steady on to you and you've got to see me through. Well, let's just wrap it up and talk about why we think Harriet Tubman is on this list. We've only done a couple girls, a couple women um, on this podcast so far. And Marie Curie obviously is um, one of the most amazing scientists the world has ever seen. And I think Harriet Tubman is obviously, I, I think she is easily um, worthy to be on this list of the greatest people of, of world changers. I think for her, she was born in terrible circumstances uh, she was completely poor I mean she was enslaved she had no freedom and growing up 
she was beaten and bruised and scarred and you could even say ruined you know referring to those head injuries that she uh, that she incurred when she was just a teenager and she just never gave up and she just persevered and i think as a black slave to be born into slavery and then not only to get your own freedom but to get the freedom of hundreds of more to eventually uh, get to the point where you're going to be on the $20 bill is absolutely amazing. I think the society today sees her on par with everyone else who's on the $20 bill. And it's tough because in life, you know, we're not, we don't start in the same position. Everyone's born in different circumstances. Some rich, some poor, some smart, some dumb, some, uh, you know, in America, some in Brazil, some beautiful, some ugly. And you kind of got to work with what you got. And this was this teeny five foot nothing African-American slave woman. And guys, you got to remember, this is before women had any rights. You know, this is tough times to be a woman, let alone a black woman. And to see what she did with the lot that she was given is just amazing. I would, it'd be so fun to take her same, uh, you know, kind of circumstance and see how other people handled it or you know in other vice versa kind of put her in a different circumstance and see what she could have done if she was born into not into slavery you know or to a wealthy family or to you know something along those lines but it seems that to be a world changer you have to suffer and we noticed that a lot of these world changers have parents who die in their youth or, or loved ones that die in their youth and they go through these tragedies and i think her whole childhood was nothing short of a tragedy and when you have when you're forced to experience those types of things it's you know you either fall and give up or you stand up stronger and it seems like all the world changers that's something they have in common is they have really hard beginnings of their life and they stand up stronger and then they change the world Thanks for listening, everybody. I've really appreciated uh, your guys' emails and your comment, your comments, your recommendations. We want to make this podcast, you know, as fun as possible. So if you have any ideas on what we could do better, or what we could add, or anything like that, just let us know. Our email is worldchangerspod pod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening.